What is going on? I want to welcome you from Half Court. I am your host, Sean Murphy, joined as always by my rock, by the Dirk Nowitzki to my Steve Nash, which turned into Jason Kidd, which turned into Rajon Rondo, which turned into Demis, Dennis Smith Jr., which turned into Luka Doncic, Troy Sergey. Troy, I, I I know I I know I missed some Mavericks point guards in there, but did you, did did you like that better than than the other other reference we've been making? Yeah, but I'm a big Devin Harris fan, and you forgot Devin Harris. I was that, wondering, that dude, uh, I'm gonna level with cards. you. I'm gonna level with you, Devin Harris. I remember, like, at at one point, he was seen as like one of the next best point guards in the league. Like, he was like in that conversation, yeah. like, not not like the best, but like in like that top tier or top echelon. Of upcoming he was a top guard. 10 point guard towards the bottom half of, of top 10. Yeah. At least one point of his career. Probably with New, New Jersey more than Dallas. But. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I remember, like, that being a big thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, obviously they go and, uh, you know, get uh, Jason Kidd. I, what, good move. I'd say not a bad move. Great move. Uh-huh. Great move. Is, d- doesn't it make you feel old, by the way, that, like, guys that we are watching as kids – are now getting NBA coaching jobs. Like three point guards that I loved yeah. watching as a kid are all head coaches in the league. Like, right. It makes you think too, like when we're having kids ourselves, like, will Damian Lillard be a coach? Will, yeah. you know, you know, like, like guys like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, okay. I just thought of a really fun question just because of that. I'm just throwing this in there. I'm throwing an audible. Which okay. NBA player right now? you think would make the best head coach in a, on an NBA team? Current the best play, head coach. Yeah, yeah. Current player that would make the best head coach. I For, guess like the f- first, first, first thought is like, you know, like KD or LeBron, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I'm, Le- I'm trying to think, think actually. I don't think LeBron would like be a basketball good coach. IQ. Yeah, I don't yeah. think LeBron would be a good coach. I think he's I think like and I don't I don't mean that as like an insult. I just like he he yeah. knows the game and like I think he can I think he really could do it if he wanted to, but like I mean, it, there's no secret he wants to be an owner. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's going to be I think he'll be a better owner than than yeah. MJ. Um Sure. Sure. But when I think of players right now, um I think of Rajon Rondo. I think Jason Tatum. Oh, he's mine. Jason Tatum's mine. Jason Why Tatum. Jason Tatum? That's interesting. Just, just he has a high basketball IQ. That's kind of what I'm basing this off of is high basketball IQ. Hmm, that's fair. I, that's, I, that's just interesting. Of, no, yeah. that's interesting. I just, I was thinking older players, and you went the opposite direction. I respect it. I, I was strictly thinking basketball. Troy, IQ. Troy, I, Troy, I am not criticizing your take. I'm just saying. I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> interesting isn't bad. Anyway, welcome to Half Court Reach every week. Troy and I sit down to talk all things no, basketball. No, 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 oh, no. you got to answer that question for yourself. I said Rajon Rondo. But I thought you had another one too. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. If I got to think of another one, if you're making me think of another one, I'll, I'll, I'll think of it. You know what? CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum just voted. Go. Chris Paul too. Like I just Ooh, Chris I, Paul would be a good one. Yeah, Chris yeah. Paul would Forgot be him. a really good coach. Yeah. Um, especially like, you know, I I could see Chris Paul like five years out of the league, or like I could even see him being like a Derek Fisher where he's like fresh out of the league. 
and just getting a coaching job, except being good, mm-hmm. unlike Derek Fisher. But anyway, that's a whole other, you know, Derek Fisher. Maybe maybe don't do the Derek Fisher model of sleeping with ex-players, you know, wives. Anyway, welcome to From Half Court. We're reaching every week. We talk all things NBA basketball. If you like that, be sure to like this on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Share with your friends and loved ones. Also, be sure to follow us on Spotify, iTunes, all those podcast services you love. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean Halfcourt, and you can follow Troy at TroySergi44. Troy, you're like the only person I memorized their Twitter handle, so um, feel the love there, 100%. Um, but anyway, Troy, we got a, for, for not a lot of basketball happening, we have a decent amount to talk about. We definitely do. Yeah. And and did I mention I miss basketball? I know I did. I mentioned Mm -hmm. it last week. I miss it, dude. I am salivating. I miss it too. Yeah. Like, I, I, I I just, I'm just looking forward to like what we're going to talk about on the podcast when the season actually starts. Like there's going to be like, there's just, there's so many competitive teams right now that we're going to have to probably do report cards on teams we've already done in the off season in, in the mid season or the quarter, quarter way season. Right. Like, Oh yeah. It's just going to be, there's so many, there's so many teams where my eye is on this year that it's just going to make each game so fun. Well, so it, fun. Well, and dude, like the thing is, is like the storylines, they're going to be coming quick. Like, you know, we mm-hmm. still ha- we still haven't gotten any resolution in Philly. We still don't know what's going on yeah. with Ben Simmons. We still don't know, you know, fully what it's going to be like in Boston. Like they're a total wild card. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, the just the rookies alone. Like not just because I'm a Pistons fan, but the J- the Jalen Green, Cade Cunningham debate. Watching that rookie of the year race is going to be super interesting. You know, like I just mm-hmm. there's just so much that I look to, and I'm just like, man, it's going to be a great season. I'm just. I just miss basketball, man. Like, yeah, we have football starting, you know, in about a week and a half, two weeks. And, you know, that, that'll be a little bit of a palate cleanser. It'll feel good. But, you know, there, there's only there's only one Detroit team I actually have fun watching lose, and that's my Pistons, not the Lions. That doesn't that doesn't bring me joy. So, <laughs> you know, I'm Can I'm you tell ready. our audience what, what I texted you uh, last Saturday? Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm just sitting there and you're just like, why, why is it exactly that you root for the Lions? Is it because it's a hometown thing? And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Like, that's pretty much about it because you and I just both acknowledge there's not really much of a better reason. You know what I mean? Right. But hey, hey, you're losing Aaron Rodgers a year from now. So I guess look who's talking. But anyway, (laughs) Troy's like, ouch. Hey, Jordan Love, who knows? But hey, that's from from half yard line, half whatever. Field. Yeah, half. from half field, whatever that, from half grid. Half red zone. Yeah, whatever that is. I think there'll be a cooking show before we do a football podcast. But anyway, um, <laughs> that's we could go on and on about that. But Troy, let's uh, let's dive into the news, shall we? Um, Troy, there was a. Uh, there was a there was a little bit of a free agency situation this week. Um, if you don't know, Rajon Rondo was traded from the Clippers um, to the Grizzlies, which brought Eric Bledsoe to Clip City. Uh, which, by the way, the fact that the which by the the fact that the Clippers were able to flip Rajon Rondo 
I mean, granted, they had to trade Patrick, Patrick Beverly as well, but to bring in uh, uh, Eric Bledsoe over over Rajon Rondo, that's a significant upgrade, especially what we saw from Rajon Rondo ever since he joined the Clippers. Like, I think um, there's been this sense that Rajon Rondo is like a great playoff point guard, which like he does elevate the playoffs, but he was disappointing this year, man. I'm going to level with you. I, mm-hmm. I mean, it just looks like yeah. he's on the down on the downturn. Um, yeah. Um, but maybe we could be proven wrong because he was bought out by the Grizzlies and he will now fill the final roster spot for the Los, the Los An- Angeles Lakers. Very good, Troy. The Los Angeles Lakers. Now, Troy, you sent me a text today, um, earlier today, just talking about, uh, about this about this move or insinuating about this move um and you said the nets are a better team but the lakers have some depth bro and i kind of want you to touch on that a little bit you know like what uh what 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 sticks out about this move to i mean obviously the depth you know what i mean like that it definitely adds some depth to the point guard spot but what uh you know what 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 do you like about this move yeah, I think it, like you said, I mean, it, it's as simple as adding depth, right? And I think when I look at, at basketball, when I look at games, the, the long duration of an NBA single game, um, you know, your reserves matter. And I, I, I just like what the Lakers are doing of having a, a long, a long duration type player like Rondo who can step in and not give you 30 minutes a game, but give you maybe – 14 tops, maybe 12, 13, um, and, and come in there and do that. And I, I love Carmelo Anthony, who's ring chasing. I mean, this is maybe his last year in the league. Who knows? Uh, I, I like that move. I like Malik Monk a lot. Huge on him. Um, and, of course, LeBron James. I'm not talking about the depth anymore, but I'm just talking about the roster as a whole. And I, I just, I just see uh, in a single 48 minute basketball game, I see the Lakers having guys on the floor who can put the ball in the hole, who can make great plays. Uh, I see a lot of playmakers, and uh, I just, I'm excited to see what this Lakers team can do. But at the end of the day, when you're looking at strictly talent, yes, the Nets are by far the better team. Right. But I, I think the Lakers are in somewhat of a good position. Uh, I'm still somewhat scratching my head along with you with the, with the Russell Westbrook's trade, but uh, I don't know. I, I I'm somewhat excited to watch this Lakers team play this. Oh year. yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, uh, you know, I, I think, I think you bring up a lot of good points of, you know, the, the amount of depth that this team was able to add um, in a right. very short period of time um, was, you know, I mean, let's just call it what it is. It was impressive, right? I mean, they um, they quickly went from a team that um, you know that had some real questions of 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 how much they would truly be able to contend, what this situation was going to look like, and now um, now you're looking at a team that uh, you know from top to bottom has names that goes okay, uh, that's a player. You know what I mean? Um, I. I'm not as impressed as you are. Um, and it's and it's not to say that it's not a good bench because it is a pretty good bench. I'm not going to lie to you. I think a lot of these guys can come in uh, in short bursts and give you some good, some decent minutes and give you something. You know what I mean? The question is how much and for how long, 
right? Because this, you know, we, we keep touching on this. This team is old. And, and you know, sure, like the final year of, of, of Jordan, um, you know, like winning an NBA championship, that team was pretty old too. Like they're, these two rosters would be up there as the oldest teams ever won an NBA championship. That is a thing. And, and so, you know, with, with that Bulls team, I have less reserve on that because, you know, they, they, they were able to stay healthy, you know, whereas, whereas this team, you know, you have LeBron James who has missed significant time two out of the past three seasons. Don't forget about that. And also Anthony Davis, who let's be honest, struggles to stay healthy pretty much every single year. Right. So big time, big time, big time. And so even though you have Russell Westbrook, who's like a marathon man, you know, he can go out there and he can play a ton of minutes. I mean, listen, he's getting older. Um, who, who's to say with his style of play? I mean, he's he's certainly not getting at lower risk for injury, right? And now you have all these older guys on your bench that, um, you know, who's to say a, a hamstring injury or, or a simple calf pull? You know, like there are things that can certainly pull that down. And, and honestly, like, I don't really see Rajon Rondo getting much to any playing time, to be honest with you. Maybe not even till like the end of the season or the playoffs. Like, I think that is a guy that is solely like, it's kind of like what Kendrick Perkins was like kind of his final years in, in the league where like he didn't play, but he was on championship teams. He was kind of like you used him as that locker room guy. To, to, to be there and help establish that championship culture. Because remember, Rajon Rondo was part of that Lakers team that brought it back. You know what I mean? He was part of that bubble team that won the championship. So, you know. And you know, that Celtics team that brought it back in 2007, 2008. 100%. But this ain't that spring chicken anymore. This is, <laughs> this is that rooster yeah. that's walking around with a And cane. I think – I. I think how you play these guys, I think how you utilize them will be the key to the Lakers' success or downfall. How, how you utilize these vets. I'm um, right. not talking about Rondo specifically, but just the whole the whole roster. Um, how you play bench guys matters. And um, how you don't play them matters too. So. Oh, 100%. I mean, listen, I mean, it's uh, overall, I mean, listen, like let's like running down the roster, right? Um you know, uh, Casas Antetokounmpo. Uh, I, this is just going alphabetical order, so I'm not saying I'm not listing this from starting a lineup or anything. Um, you got Costas Antetokounmpo, Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore, Devonte, um, Devonte Kakak. Um, I don't think that's a guy that's uh, probably a two-way player. I'd imagine uh, Anthony Davis, Wayne Ellington, Marcus Sewell, Taylor Horton Tucker, Dwight Howard. LeBron James, Wesley Matthews, Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn, Russell Westbrook. I mean, there's a lot of guys on this list that can play basketball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And I I think, I think ultimately, um, I think you're going to see Kendrick Nunn is really going to be that second point guard. I mean, Rajon Rondo. Yeah, I like Nunn. Yeah, there's probably not a better third string point guard than Rajon Rondo as far as the value that he can bring to a championship team. So overall for that move, absolutely solid. Um, but there are guys on this roster, um, specifically, um, I think there's going to be guys like, uh, like Trevor Ariza or Wayne Ellington, like guys that are just, you know, let's just call it how it is. They're old. And I just don't see, um, you know, people were like, Oh, I really love that Trevor Ariza move. And I'm like, dude, you know, you know, like, not going to see him on the court again, gun to your head. Where did he play last year? 
Yeah. Rockets? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Um, I do think it's a cool storyline, though, that one of Kobe's Lakers teammates is on this current Lakers team. In oh, Trevor that is Rizzo. awesome. That's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that is a cool storyline. Don't get me wrong, but, I mean, that's probably all he's bringing to the table. It's a cool storyline, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, um, you know, yeah. I, and, and here's the thing. I love Trevor Ariza. He was one of my favorite players to watch, you know, when I was younger, just in the sole fact that, like, you know, he was just one of those solid, dependable 3 and D guys that would just go out there and, like, play hard every single night. And that's what he, that's what he gives you. But, um, you know, that that's kind of harder to do when you're, uh, for a lack of better terms, getting kind of ancient, you know? So um, I'm interested sure. to see what he's going to be able to give going forward. And and that's going to be the storyline to me for the Lakers. I, you know, ultimately if LeBron and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook can stay healthy, I mean, and if they can gel together, then, you know, the sky's the limit, but um, you know, there's also a chance that that cannot, that that won't happen. And so, um, and as you said, ultimately, uh, that Brooklyn Nets team is is still really good. Um, and so if they're both healthy, I still don't think this puts them over the line, but certainly a good guy to have in the locker room. Um, but, right. yeah, I, I don't think there's much more to say on that situation. Congrats, Rajon Rondo. Um, I will say yeah. one thing that bummed me out about it was that this um, report suggested that this last roster spot could have gone to Isaiah Thomas. Uh, but Rajon Rondo's mm, release yeah, like, kind of canceled that out. And I uh, released yeah. a video on Monday um, as the time this releases. Yeah. About, about Isaiah it, Thomas Sean. and how the Boston Celtics screwed it over. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out. I was really proud of that one and how it turned out. It's, so, it's worth the watch everyone. Yeah. Um, one of the saddest stories in the NBA uh, probably ever, but anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Anyway, ter- speaking of sad stories, Troy, um, out of ESPN, Rachel Nichols, um, over at the Jump, the MB- ESPN's the Jump has been canceled, effective immediately. And Rachel Nichols, longtime NBA reporter, um, you know, uh, someone that is uh, that has been prominent in ESPN's coverage in basketball for years. Um, they have her on contract for two more years. And she essentially won't be used on ESPN television going forward. Um, this after she was uh, where a video leaked of her in the bubble, um, essentially complaining that Maria Taylor, former ESPN employee now working for NBC Sports, um, took her gig as the host of the finals pre-show where Nichols said, I wish Maria Taylor all the success in the world. She covers football. She covers basketball. If you need to give her more things to do because you are feeling pressure about your crappy long-time record on diversity, which, by the way, I know personally from the female side of it, like, go for it. Just find it somewhere else. You're not going to find it from me or taking my thing away. Which, uh, when that came out, people did not love it. Um, Troy, uh, you know, real quick, we're going to have to take a break here in a second. But, Troy, what, uh, what are your thoughts on the, on the Rachel Nichols situation? Definitely disappointed. Definitely a little bit sad uh, for multiple different reasons. I think Rachel did, you know, handle herself well with uh, as far as uh, just her profession with um, NBA players. Uh, just I loved, you know, her questions. Uh, just having her uh, interview LeBron James after that 2020 finals in the bubble was pretty cool. Um, just a lot of cool Rachel Nichols memories over the years. And 
I liked her little moderation skills when uh, Kendrick Perkins and Stephen A would go at it on on the on the jump. Uh, uh, it's 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 too bad, uh, you know, she's being let go. But of course, you can't be making statements like that. You can't be, uh, I guess, uh, de- devaluating and uh, you know your view of someone being lesser than than who they are based on the color of their skin uh, and that racial overtone in, in her voice, you can kind of hear it um, with that kind of position, that kind of uh, leadership in, in that, in that role that she's in, you can't be making statements like that. And uh, I, I just hear a lot of racial overtone in that. And uh, it's unfortunate to, uh, especially with the league with, like you said, before we got started here, uh, a league of primarily, you know, African-American players uh in the nba nfl so i'm disappointed but unfortunately you just can't be saying stuff like that yeah it it, the way the story really the the way the story leaked and and you know the the way that this story came out and uh just the the leaked audio of it definitely had some donald sterling undertones to it obviously didn't say anything nearly as bad as what donald sterling said um both not okay. Don't don't really want to be on the record saying either of those things. But you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I ultimately I ultimately don't think this is the end of Rachel Nichols. I think she's a super um, prominent figure in NBA media, and I don't think that's going to change. Sure. Um, whether what she does is on her own or whether she lands somewhere else, uh, we will see. But ultimately, I don't think she truly has hate in her heart. I just, uh, you know, it, it's hard to tell, right? But ultimately, I hope whatever happens from here, hopefully she can learn from it. And, you know, Maria Taylor uh, was a really is a really successful and really talented anchor and got there despite a lot of the hate and oppression and things that she's had to face. So, um, you know, 100% just uh, disheartening to see that kind of stuff. But, hey, you know what? Um, mm-hmm. good, dis- good, good on ESPN for trying to, you know, for holding her accountable for it. And, uh, I personally hope that they get another show covering NBA basketball because I loved the jump. I loved that show. So seeing it go away is sad, but ultimately at the end of the day, the brand was probably permanently tarnished from that situation. Um, but with that, uh, before we get into the topic of the show, uh, we are going to take a quick break on our end and we're going to be talking about the Atlanta Hawks, right? About... Now, and we back, Troy, today's topic of the show, our next stage of getting out our report cards, getting out our grading books, undusting our rubrics, is the Atlanta Hawks, Eastern Conference finalist, Atlanta Hawks. Now, Troy, um, I'm going to level with you. I thought this team was going to be fun going into this season. I was expecting an eighth seed. I was expecting a fun play-in run for them. Um, I was not expecting what we got. I don't know about you, but they completely flipped my expectations of, of, of what they ended up being. Just absolutely insane. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's, uh, let's start with, let's start with, let's go through some of these transactions and kind of how we got to where we ended up. Right. Um, first the, the, the key signings that they made, um, in the off season was they brought in, um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, which I'm not sure if you remember, Troy Bogdan Bogdanovich was supposed to be a member of the Milwaukee Bucks. 
um, he was he was supposed Sounds to be familiar. on the Bucks team. Yeah. Um, do you remember the whole snafu of what happened? Of um, there's supposed to be a sign and trade with the Kings and the Bucks, and then for for whatever reason, sounds familiar, but I'm not recalling the details. Yeah, Go yeah, ahead. but for whatever reason, the deal completely fell through. Um, Bogdan was supposed to join this Milwaukee Bucks team, which, by the way, if if that Bucks team had had Bogdan Bogdanovich, that would have been unfair. Like like with how good that Bucks team ended up being. That would have been absolutely unfair. They had um, um, the Bucks had uh, Dante Divincenzo. He was supposed to be getting traded to Sacramento. Like that was that was finalized. Like like as as close to finalized as possible. Um, and then he had to awkwardly come back and play for the Bucks after getting traded. Uh, so that was uh, that was fun. Uh, good good reminder there. Um, they, uh, they drafted, um, Okongwu in the, in the first round. They, uh, they did a, they traded for Daniil Gallinari, which yeah. D- Daniil Gallinari is, is a stud. He might be on my list. I of- love Gallinari. He might be. Um- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, you were like lagging it out a little bit there. I was like, I love, and I was like. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I love Gallinari. He was on the Nuggets originally, and mm-hmm. part of that Carmelo Anthony trade to New York, yeah. and played some serve minutes. Um, yeah, or other way around. I'm sorry, he was with yeah, New yeah, York, he, and that got traded. Uh, he balled out in Denver. People forget he was good for them. Yeah, um, he was. He and definitely. yeah, in my opinion, one of the more underrated players in this league. So for the Hawks to be able to go out and get Bogdanovich and Daniil Gallinari. Um, and then on top of that, they signed Rajon Rondo in the offseason as well, um, which at the time w- looked like a really solid move, added some veteran leadership. It looked like, okay, this team's ready to make a push for the playoffs. Um, and then they came out of the gates and they sucked. Uh, I don't remember. I don't know if you remember, Troy, but they started uh, the season at 14 and 20. Um, I do remember that, yes. Mm-hmm, which ended up with firing coach Lloyd Pierce and appointing Nate McMillan as the interim head coach, which uh, seeing that he went 27-11 and 11 with that same roster, um, I'd say turned out pretty well. I'd say so, too. I mean, yeah. just not even the regular season run, but the the playoff run was by far the absolute most impressive thing i i've seen in in a while with with a playoff team run that you didn't have high expectations for oh yeah um so yeah well, well, yeah, yeah and not only that but also um you know they also were able to um bring in um they traded rondo to the clippers during the trade deadline which brought back lou williams uh a couple of second round draft picks and so now um, they had Lemon Pepper Lou alongside Trey Young brought in some solid bench scoring, which, by the way, that, Love trade, Lemon Pepper Lou. that trade turned out being a, to be a steal, like 100% a steal, highway robbery, if you will. Um, so, Troy, if, if you had to give the Hawks a grade for this year, what would it be and why is it an A+. Oh, this year? Yes, A+. Plus. Um, I would probably say an A- minus if they didn't go to the Eastern Conference Finals, but A+, plus because they did. Um, yeah. Just making that team, uh, putting pieces around Trey Young is yeah. what ultimately 
put him over the hump, right? And I, I think so many times we've talked about this on this podcast countless amount of times. How tragic is it when we see a star that uh, and, a, and a, on a team and a GM cannot find pieces to go along with it? How tragic is that? It's a story of so many different great stars that never could get out of the bubble. And to think that, like, you know, I think we talked about the Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green comparison. Well, there's forever going to be a comparison of Trey Young and Luka Doncic. And as mm-hmm. we can probably say, yes, Luka is the better player. But Trey Young has gone further than Luca has in, in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. the yeah. fact that he's clutch like that, that he can perform on such a high level. And, man, I, I think this past year is just the beginning for Trey Young. It, it's his coming out party. Would you yeah. say? That's oh, 100, oh, 100%. Yeah. And listen, man, you can say whatever you want about the Trey Young-Luka Doncic deal. It's important to, for people to point out. It wasn't, you know, again, this gets lost in translation. It was not a straight one-for-one trade. The Hawks Mm -hmm. also received an extra first-round pick. So the Hawks got got Trey Young and a first-round pick. So that is important to point out. And at the end of the day, um, I think they're both superstars. I don't think it's one or the other. They are both superstars in this league. It's just Luka might be like, you know, if Luka's one, Trey's 1A. You know what I mean? I, I think at the end of the day, what they do on the basketball court is completely different. And listen, if Trey Young's going out there giving you as dominant of performances as he is, um, then at the end of the day, uh, I'll take it. I will absolutely take it, especially yeah. if he's I'll going take out. I don't think any Hawks fans are are complaining, are they? No, I, if they are, they, <laughs> they better not. Um, listen, if I, listen, if I have a point guard who, mind you, his – Third season, third, going out and averaging 25 points a game with 9.4 with 9.4 assists, 43% shooting is, is just absolutely insane, especially when, you know, in your third season, you go from a franchise that hasn't seen the playoffs in years to making a deep Eastern Conference finals run your first time in the playoffs. Mind yeah. you, having to go on the road, being, you know, having the other team have home court advantage in, game in both seven. series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have the ice in your veins to go out and push both series as far as you do and ultimately, you know, come out on top. And I mean, people forget, like, the Knicks were heavily favorited in that first series. Yeah. Like, people are like, oh, the, the Hawks, that'll be a fun series, but the Knicks are going to win. Because the Knicks are a better defensive team. No. No. The Hawks quickly proved that wrong. I, In fact, I, I don't think I've seen a series looked more lopsided after just one game. And, like, they, they only won by two. But, like, when Trey Young, like, shushed the crowd at the Garden, like, not to overreact from what we lit. saw, but I thought I, at that point I didn't think there was a chance the Knicks were going to win that series. Uh, Trey Young. It was fun. It was so fun. Is Trey Young the biggest villain in the league now? Ooh. Uh no, I don't think so. Um, he became I one of the biggest villains LeBron in the James league, will though. Always be the biggest. Villain. He's one of the yes, but but I think LeBron James will always be the biggest villain in the league. Really, you think LeBron's still the biggest villain? I yeah. feel like Kevin Durant's the biggest villain. 
I, I think I think Brooklyn's kind okay. of the villain squad. You know what I mean? You got James Harden. Yeah. You got Kevin Durant. Yeah. You got Kyrie. Like I think to me, it always seemed like LeBron, the the narrative of LeBron changed after he went back to Cleveland and won a championship for them. Like to me, it seemed sure, like that was sure. the redemption arc. Even sure, though- sure. Yeah, and I see all that. I, I just I just I think the idea of LeBron James. The, the concept of who LeBron James is will always be villainized. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I like Brooklyn being a villain. I, I think that's a, I, that they're probably number one. Um, but Trey's tra- 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 top three, you know. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, but Trey isn't disliked by fans. Trey, right. Trey's probably more disliked or villainized by the players. Um, so when I think of a true villain – I think players and fans against, and I, I haven't met a fan yet that hates Trey Young. Oh yeah. 100%. Maybe that's because we so. haven't been to New York because he is not loved Maybe in the garden. We haven't been in New York. Yeah. He had, yeah. he had a fan literally spit on him yeah. during a game. A fan spat on Trey Young. Like yeah. what the heck, man? Yeah. Maybe I haven't met a Knicks fan. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think whatever Knicks fans are out there, don't like to admit they're Knicks fans. Right there, we go. Maybe I have, uh, but uh, they haven't. I haven't been able to notice. <laughs> oh my gosh! It's so they do what they do in that Knicks series. Um, they 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 beat the Knicks in five, and it like you know, um, they they win the first game by two, uh, they lose the second game by nine. But from there, the series was done. Like it, like once the series moved to Atlanta. This, the, the series was absolutely over because they came out, they beat the Knicks by 11 and 17 on their home court. And then they went back to New York. And at that point, like once the Knicks were down three, one, it just looked like, all it the, over. yeah, it was already over. Like, it just looked like the wind was out of their sails. The hype like, was. Oh yeah. The Hawks demoralized them, like absolutely demoralized them. Uh-huh. And so then, <laughs> uh, and then at that point it was like, okay, that was really fun. But now they're playing Philly. So, you know, they're going to get bounced this round. They're going to get swept, whatever. Except the Atlanta Hawks come out in game one and beat the Philadelphia 76ers on their home court. Which, Troy, that might have been my favorite game in these playoffs. Like, as far as, like... Yeah, as far as from beginning to end, that might have been the most fun game to me because, you know, just watching Trey Young do it again on a bigger stage against that team, it was it was a sight to behold, man. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not trying to diminish Trey Young's performance when, or the Hawks' performances at all when I say this, so do not interpret it as, as this, but... Mm-hmm. I always knew both Philly and New York were overrated throughout the regular season. Oh, for sure. Oh, 100%. That's not to diminish the Hawks run, but I'm just saying, if anything, it it helped prove my point better that Trey Young exposed both of those franchises for not being as talented as I knew that they were. ready weren't you know right. <laughs> they had a great fourth quarter performance and they kind of just skimmed out and the buzzer sounded and the Sixers were like wait a minute we lost <laughs> right. you know that's kind right. of the vibe I 
got from that. Um, and oh my gosh. And, and it was, it was hard to know who to root for too. Cause I was such a big Trey young guy, but also the box. I'm a big Giannis guy. So that was, we talked a couple of weeks ago back in the finals. Like I didn't know who to root for with Milwaukee and Phoenix, but I also didn't know who to root for, for Milwaukee and Atlanta right. because I, I was so high on young, but that will not be the last time Trey young is in the Eastern conference finals. Oh, not at all. Not at all. I, I think of anything, um, it's, it, you know, you assume that they're going to be back real soon. I mean, this, I don't think this year, I don't think they're going to be back. I think the Eastern conference final uh, the Eastern conference is just too stacked at this point. And I think especially with, with the changes that happened, I, I think, um, you know, I, I to, to assume this team is going to repeat the success that they had this season, um, you know, is, is very difficult to do, but listen, they're, they're in the picture. They're very much in the picture. Um, yeah. and, and you know, ultimately, uh, Trey Young suffers that ankle slash foot injury against Milwaukee. Ultimately, that that team looked overpowered. Anyway, I mean, there was you know there was there was no realistic scenario that the that the Atlanta Hawks beat the Milwaukee Bucks. The only the only way that could have happened was you know what if it, which by the way, um, Giannis's injury that he sustained in that Hawks series where he came down on that knee. I like, you know, just to think that that didn't result in the end of his season and that it ultimately he came out like it was nothing in the finals and dominated the way he did. Um, that's a whole other story. Yeah. But listen, man, the the Atlanta Hawks, there there was nothing yeah. to be ashamed of. And, and you know, um, I don't think there's a coach that earned a job more in the NBA than Nate McMillan did. Like as, as far as an interim coach to head coach, like just someone that truly he's earned he was an excited coach. yeah yeah like he he changed the culture of the team go ahead he he changed the culture of that franchise like overnight because with lloyd pierce they just they didn't look energized they looked dead on arrival they were you know they were six games below 500 but like you know when a guy can come in and like make a team you know reinvigorate in the middle of the season and go and, you know, not just get in the playoff picture, but get to the, like, to the fifth seed. Like, yeah. that's special, man. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, with me being a former high school basketball player, and if I had to throw myself in the NBA right now, he'd be a coach I'd want to play for, right? Nick oh, Millen, yeah. Like, seriously. A, a guy that cares about his athletes, um, wants them, sets them up to succeed in the best way. Um, he's a coach. A, oh, a real yeah. genuine coach, more than an X and O guy, more than an X and O's guy. Yeah, he he is a genuine person that cares about the franchise and his athletes, and uh, that is something that I I think can can get overlooked yeah. because it's professional sports. There's a bigger hype to it. You can't just be a a good guy and be a good coach, but he does it both. So yeah, he, in my opinion, he he very well. Um, was in the conversation for, or should have been in the conversation for coach of the year. I, and, and, and if you look at, even if you look at like just the, just coaching matchups, he had to beat Tom Thibodeau, who is, you know, to make that team, Thibodeau. <laughs> yeah, to make Tom Thibodeau's team look flat out unprepared is something you don't see often because Tom Thibodeau is, is a, is a, is a master class of coaches. He, he the guy who won coach of the year. And then yeah. you go against Doc Rivers, who is one of the best coaches in the past 20 years of basketball, um, to, to simply take one of his best players and now 
um, made him look straight up terrified to shoot the basketball. And like this man's schemes against Ben Simmons are causing genuine psychological issues for Ben Simmons that to a point where he looks, he looks untradeable, but they, he needs Uh to be traded at the same time, which is something that is absolutely unreal. Um, yeah. Uh, Now, Troy, uh, someone that we haven't really talked about, uh, John Collins, uh, he he took a considerable step up this season as well, especially in the playoffs um, with the defensive responsibilities mm-hmm. that he had, um, his offensive versatility, um, kind of seen as uh, uh, Trey Young's Robin. Um, and I think I think he is going to be the X factor going forward for the Hawks. Um, because I think, you know, if you're, if you're Atlanta, I think you're hopeful that he can be that second star, um, alongside Trey young to potentially push for, um, ultimately a finals run at some point. Um, but if not, I think, uh, you know, um, I think they're going to have to really do their best to ultimately get an athletic, uh, an athletic scoring wing at some point. And I think John Collins can be that guy. Um, but I think he's going to be the X factor to their future. What, uh, what do you say to that, Troy? Yeah. Yeah. I, I see it. I see. It. I mean, he's a solid power forward who can score in, in the, in the low block and, and grab you some good rebounds too. But I, uh, the, the Robin to my Batman that I saw the most from this season was, uh, Clint Capella. Yeah. Yeah. Clint Capella. Uh, talk about an underrated acquisition. That was he, Man, Clint Capella's a stud, and people forgot about him quickly. Because, like, he had, like, you know, he, he he wasn't playing great in Houston, and then they traded him to Atlanta, and then he was out due to injuries for a little bit. But now he's back, and he was proving why he was as good as, as he was and why he was as touted for as he was. Um, he's, like, everything you want in a modern-day big, except shooting. Right. Big, big time. Uh, well, just, yeah, I guess the tradition. Traditional slash modern day big, absolutely, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah the He's rim great. runner, and just, rim protector, yeah. I was gonna say that the rim running was was I was most impressed with uh, from this past season. Yeah, one hundred percent. If you uh, if you were the general manager of the Atlanta Hawks and you could make one move to turn them into a championship team, what would it be and why? Ooh, Sean, that is a question to put me on the spot for, man. Can I? Because I have an answer. Can I? Can I give you my answer so that gives you some time to think? Yeah, I, I I can't think too quickly for that. Just just give me your answer. I think they trade for Brandon Ingram, or I would trade for Brandon Ingram. I like I, that. Yeah, if I if like I that. could if I could change the core of of this team to go from uh, Trey Young and John Collins to Trey Young and Brandon Ingram. You know, good yeah, luck beating be that on the offensive end on a night-to-night basis. You know, like it, it mm-hmm. like ultimately, you know, I, you know, the jury's very still much out on what John Collins is ultimately going to be. Um, but where he is right now, he's pretty solid. He's not Brandon Ingram right now, so um, you might have to trade some of those other pieces to get. Brandon Ingram, like you know, maybe a Bogdan Bogdanovich or something. But listen, man, if I you know, I, if I'm looking at pieces that I could add to uh, to this roster 
you know, potentially, because like you know, who knows what happens with the Pelicans? They're they're a whole different situation. Um, you know, that that's just a whole weird thing. But I, ultimately, I just I see nothing but good things for this Atlanta Hawks roster, and I think ultimately it's going to come down to what goes around Trey Young and how they develop. So absolutely, and uh, just for our listeners to hear, because it doesn't happen. often but about two years ago the pelicans for anthony davis uh you and i were talking about that and i said still somewhat watch out for new orleans because brandon ingram watch out he's gonna explode and you said oh troy it's brandon ingram what good could he do listen but sean i knew i knew listen man i i listen i'll just straight up say it i was wrong about brandon ingram um he he absolutely proved that the league was counting him out the first year he was in new Orleans. And, uh, you know, right. I, I think, I think, I, I think that everybody was wrong about, about Lonzo ball. I think everybody was wrong. I was about wrong Brandon. about Lonzo ball. Yes. Uh huh. See, so that evens all, see that yeah, evens it, out. You evens know? It out. Yep. Yeah. Ultimately, uh, new Orleans might, that might have to be pretty soon. Um, just talking about, yeah, our I, poor I, card for new Orleans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That might have to be one at some point too. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, I, I, again, I, and I'm not trying to just plug videos here, but I did do a video on them as well. Um, so that is also available on the old from half court YouTube channel, but I digress. The Atlanta Hawks, in my opinion, probably the best story from this past season. Well, them and the Phoenix Suns. I mean, there's, you know, Phoenix probably tips it up a little bit, but I mean, listen, they got Chris Paul, you know what I mean? Like that was kind of expected. Um, Atlanta didn't make a Chris Paul level move. Um, and to, for them to get as far as they did, uh, tip of the tip of the old cap to to the Atlanta Hawks, one hundred percent. Yeah, but now, but now Troy, it's time that we uh, that we head over to our brand new segment, Legacies with Troy Sergi. Troy, who are we talking about today? Yes, absolutely. Looking forward to this all day, actually. And uh, so if you recall from our last segment, we did uh, the legacies with Troy with Stefan Marbury. And remember, we have three criteria for our legacies. They have mm-hmm. to have made an all-star game. Mm-hmm. They can't be in the Hall of Fame and they cannot still be playing. And their all-star game had to have been in the 2000s, from 2000 to 2009. Um, and today criteria? we're going to be talking... I guess four criteria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll call it. We'll call it. <laughs> or we could just say an all-star in the 2000s and yeah. then make it still yeah. three. So. Yeah, there you go. There you um, go. So today we're going to be talking about one of our own, uh, 6'7 guard from Coatesville, Pennsylvania, Connecticut Husky, Piston God Richard Rip Hamilton. You mean? Um, you mean from? From the University of Connecticut, number 32, Richard Rip Hamilton. Yes, sir. Rip, 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 rip. Yes, yes, yeah. sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. sir. Shout out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The Oh, man. That that was the name whenever I heard Richard Rip Hamilton. Oh, my goodness. Those were the days. Mason. Absolutely. Best, Mason's still my the My favorite player, by the way. Play, Pistons player of my generation. My favorite Pistons player. Really? My, maybe, actually, no. I'm just going to say it. My, fa- my Troy's favorite Piston of all time. 
Wow. Not saying he's the best, but my favorite piston of all time. Richard no, Lecanis. I like it, man. I like it. Um, yeah. So the legacy of Richard Hamilton. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolute stud. I'll I'll let you get this started, and I'll just chime yeah, in when I can. I'll get it started. Um, yeah, I'll probably pause and have you take a little, uh, some good takes here. But yeah. I'll just again, um, I I think it's it's fair with with Sean and and my uh, you know upbringing of of being raised in the early and late two thousands uh, as far as when we got into basketball. Mm-hmm. I'm going to personally try to not use any notes, but if we have to pull something up, we will. Hey, that's um, okay. I got so, some yeah, stuff. I, I got some stuff right here if stuff. we need it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I, I'm going to start us off uh, everything I know about Richard Hamilton. Um, so Richard Hamilton from Coatesville, Pennsylvania, uh, definitely uh, a kind of impoverished uh, area, uh, played AAU ball, uh, great high school player, uh, was AAU teammates with Kobe Bryant. Uh, you can check out the All the Smoke podcast oh, where man. Richard Hamilton's special guest with Steven Jackson and, and Matt Barnes talking about his AAU uh, experience with playing with Kobe when they were sophomores and juniors in high school. Uh, check that out if you have a chance. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, Richard Hamilton is one of the best players in the whole state of Pennsylvania. Played in the 1996 All-Star High School McDonald's All-American game, I believe, uh, which is actually at the Palace of Auburn Hills, believe it or not, that year. So he Oh, played, really? No way. Uh, yeah, he was actually at that, uh, a part of that class, that, that 1996 high school class um, with, with Kobe Bryant. Uh, and uh, so great great high school career with him when it came time to pick uh, where he was going to college he picked university of connecticut uh kind of seen as a guy who would kind of carry on the legacy of ray allen who left uh three short years or no that 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 year there i would he might have been teammates with ray allen i don't think so though Mm -hmm. um maybe you can check that up but uh, no matter what, definitely in, in the somewhat shadow of Ray Allen's legacy at University of Connecticut, uh, played three years there. And then he was drafted with the seventh overall pick in the 1999 NBA draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, the GM for the Washington Wizards was the Michael Jordan, the Michael Jordan drafted Richard Hamilton mm-hmm. uh, with his first round pick. Um, so Richard Hamilton goes to the Washington Wizards, the seventh pick, and uh, kind of struggles a little bit at first, but then really gets the hang hanging things about midway through his rookie year. Yeah. Um, has a great a great rookie year, probably all rookie, I would assume. Don't know that for sure. Um, and then the following season, or, or sorry, two years later. Uh, the, his team, the Washington Wizards, have the number one pick in the draft, and they draft Kwame Brown, who we've talked about on this podcast before, being one of the biggest busts. And it causes mm-hmm. Michael Jordan to go out of retirement. So now Michael Jordan, the guy who drafted Richard Hamilton, is going to be teammates with uh, Richard Hamilton. And uh, Sean, just I'm just going to let you on the spot here. What would it be like having the the greatest player of all time draft you and then two short years later he's now teammates with you at the same position uh you know um not great <laughs> um i would say um you know i i think if you're if you're to look at it solely in a vacuum and say you get to play with michael jordan i think that would be an honor 
But for a guy to come out of retirement and to take your job, especially a guy who has ownership stake in the franchise, um, a little weird, a little weird. So, uh, you know, ultimately, yep. Yep. obviously that led to, uh, you know, him coming our way, which, hey, I'm not complaining. Yeah. I'll talk about that real quick. So our big star in the early 2000s was a guy named Jerry Stackhouse. And I actually met Jerry Stackhouse back in 2017 in Grand Rapids. He was the coach of the uh, the Raptors 905. So that was a cool right. experience yeah. of mine. But uh, anyways, the Pistons traded Jerry Stackhouse to uh, the Washington Wizards for Richard Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And Richard Hamilton is now getting paired up with Big Ben Wallace. They bring in Chauncey Billups. And uh, it kind of just seems like that. They have a little culture going on, mm-hmm. right? And uh, that little culture gets them to the number one seed in the 2002-2003 season where they have the best record in the NBA. And unfortunately, they get swept in the Eastern Conference Finals by the New Jersey Nets, who would go on to lose to the Lakers in the finals. Yeah, which, by the way, I mean... And I think that definitely... Rip being 24 at the time, so super young to come in and be a contributor to a a team that was looking to contend. Um, You know, um, the guy... Uh The guy did it quick when he was in the league. He came in and and he was right in that picture right away. Yeah. And that's something that I, I didn't even think about, is how quick Richard Hamilton became a serviceable quote unquote second best option on we're going to find out in a second, a championship team. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, Richard Hamilton started 2003, 2004 season, definitely a starter. He's going to be the starting shooting guard for that team. Um, And they have a chip on their shoulder after being swept and they have a great regular season. I believe they're the third seed that year. They have a, a nice, nice five game series with the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round. And then in the second round, they're paired up with the team that swept them a year earlier, the New Jersey Nets. And Richard Hamilton has a first great couple games. Uh, the Pistons go up 2-0 in the series. And then just, just like that, it's tied 2-2. They lose game three and four. And uh, Richard Hamilton uh, had, had a good game in game five, I believe, but they fortunately lost in triple overtime. But then game six rolls around. And the Pistons really struggled the first quarter and some way brought itself back with their hardcore defense. And then I, I believe they were up by two with maybe 25 seconds left in game six. Obviously a must-win game. They're down 3-2 in the series. And he hits a huge clutch shot to put them up by four with uh, maybe 10 seconds left in the game to go on and, and beat the New Jersey Nets and then ultimately win a game six, seven in their home building to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think we have to we have to maybe yeah, maybe maybe stop right there for now because game, the Eastern Conference Finals is such a great uh uh place to go with Richard Hamilton as far as his big coming out party in the league. So so Sean, imagine put yourself in Richard Hamilton's shoes. You just hit that game, game winning shot in game six to push a game seven. I will uh, put myself years in old. his mask, Troy. I will gladly put myself yes, in put, Richard put, put yourself mask. in his mask there, Sean. Yeah, one hundred percent. Especially um coming uh, you know, especially going into that series against Indiana, which mind you at the time, um, still had Reggie Miller. Um, you know, especially it, this series to me felt like the passing of the torch in, in a way that like, you know, Big the time. way the way that these guys played were so similar. And uh, Reggie Miller mm-hmm. and a lot of guys talk about how much of a nightmare it was 
to guard Richard mm-hmm. Richard Hamilton because when you know what, what's something that stuck out with with me with a lot of guys back then was just um, Richard Hamilton was just such a deadly player off the ball like um, right. you know and, like and coming off those curls coming off yeah. those curls was how he was able shots off yeah yeah like you know like when, when i think of uh when i think of like the greatest scorers that were able to do it off the ball i think of richard hamilton with his curls and like you know like to me like the only other guy that i can think of that was that active off the ball is steph curry right like just mm-hmm. um you know he, he was so uh he he just was running all the time a lot of our offenses yeah, was was just awesome. setting up setting up Richard Hamilton for a lot of those scoring opportunities, and you know he could shoot it from literally anywhere on the court. He was clutch. He right, um, just his scoring ability was insane. Um, I, I think right, of right. Uh, and I think uh, looking at Steph too, like like Richard would come off the the curls off the ball and shoot the mid range game. Right, the yeah, mid game range yeah. game was Rip's big thing. Steph Curry kind of expanded that off the ball those curls to the three point line. Right, so exactly, definitely a little yeah. bit different there. But uh, Rip, it, at the time, he was Reggie Miller's Y2K, right? Right, his oh, shadow coming up. Yeah, one hundred percent. So um, the fact that they were paired up against each other, uh, Richard Hamilton being the younger version uh, of, of Reggie Miller, what, had to have been quite a fun. Eastern they went Conference to war. They went to war. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did. And uh, yes, Pacers take game one, uh, Pistons take game two. Richard Hamilton was the one who who caught the ball after Tayshaun Prince's big block. And then um, hit Rip's coming out party was was game, uh, you know, three, four, and especially five, especially five. Uh, Richard Hamilton, uh, the, he was their number one option that series. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. The Pistons' yeah. number one option in that series was Richard Hamilton. 100%. And then they win game six. And, and now they're in the NBA Finals where Richard Hamilton is paired up against Kobe Bryant in the NBA Finals. The um, Mamba. And game th- – okay, so game one, Pistons win. That's more Chauncey Billups' big game. Yeah. And, of course, they lose in overtime against the Lakers in game two. But then game three happens. And game mm-hmm. three – uh, I think 87% of the time when, 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 a, when a playoff series is tied at 1-1, the winner of game three wins the series. Yep. And um, that proved everything right there. Uh, Richard Hamilton, I think, scored maybe 32, 33 points. He put up 31 um, points. 31 points. Uh, absolutely incredible performance. Uh, if you have time, watch uh, game three Richard Hamilton highlights from the NBA Finals because it is worth your time. And of course, they win game four and game five. And now Richard Hamilton at age, what, 20, 24, 25, 25 mm-hmm. now? Uh, yeah, he was and, uh, at the time of winning the NBA championship. He was yeah. uh, he was 26, 26. Richard Hamilton at age 26 is now an NBA champion. Mm-hmm. And Pretty one, of, cool. one of the main reasons why we won the championship. Yeah, uh, we don't get past Indiana, and we don't win Game Three, which we probably lose the series without Richard Hamilton. Yeah, um, in those those two those two series against the Pacers and the Lakers. So yeah. that right there, to be honest, Sean is a huge part of Richard Hamilton's legacy. Is those two series? Oh yeah. Then of course, then of course, uh, you know he has a great career. Uh, he makes an All Star game in two thousand six, I believe. Uh, go, of course, goes to the finals in two thousand five. Uh, with, with with the Pistons, but they lost to the Spurs in Game Seven. Mm-hmm. Has a great series against Miami in two thousand five and six. 
Uh, and then, you know, I mean, the Pistons kind of, you know, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals those years to come, mm-hmm. but they just weren't the same team. And uh, what was cool, you know, you know, I'm talking post now Chauncey Billups leaving um, is he still stuck around. Yeah. And uh, that that's such a tough year where they were supposed to, quote unquote, compete for a championship with Allen Iverson. Um, they're doing some experimenting with 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 roster, you know, who, who yeah. we have on the court, which, which people and forget. Like, even he, though he, he volunteered, he volunteered to be the sixth man that year because they right. wanted to give Stucky more minutes because they thought he was the next Bill Ups, and they want. Of course, Iverson had too big of an ego to, to sit the bench. So, Rip Hamilton volunteered to come off the bench that year as the captain, as the seasoned vet, as the champion. So that speaks volume to his character. Well, go ahead. Yeah, um, and by the way, when they brought in Allen Iverson, the initial thought um, was kind of that that he was kind of brought in to build around, uh, kind of like Richard Hamilton was was kind of was kind of the thinking was that. Um, was that they were going to ultimately kind of have Rip as the centerpiece, Rip and Iverson as kind of that core, um, and just to see where it goes. Obviously, that did not work out, and it flamed out very quickly, um, and some bridges very were bad. burnt, and ultimately it just did not, like like we said, did not go well. Um, but yeah. at, at the end of the day, man, like just um, there was a reason why. And, and, and not just not only did he make the, uh, the All-Star game in 05 he made it three years in a row. He made it in 06, 07. He made it in 07, 08. Um, this guy was among the best in the league um, at what he, he did. Um, and, you he know, um, when I think of uh, Troy, I'm not sure uh, if there's a play that sticks out for you of, like, favorite Rick, Rip Hamilton plays of all time. For me, I think 04, 05. Uh, it was Celtics Pistons at the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Hamilton yep. hits a baseline game winner over Paul Pierce yep. in the final seconds. Mm-hmm. I remember screaming and getting so hype in that moment. I was like, I just remember Rip Hamilton just had the ice in his veins, dude. Just, yeah, oh absolutely. I got two memories, two memories to go along. One's a personal memory, uh, and one of them is definitely probably more of a legacy memory. And uh, the legacy one is uh, 51 points in Madison Square Garden. I believe that was maybe 05, 06 mm-hmm. um, as well. But Richard Hamilton put 50-plus in the garden, which is pretty impressive. Not a lot of players can, can do that. And uh, that's another one on YouTube you can check out is, is Rip Hamilton's highlights there. But the personal memory uh, was uh, when I was in sixth grade. I was 11 years old. And uh, the Detroit Pistons were doing a statewide – uh, camp that earlier that summer and uh, this did a camp in Marquette uh, and you know kind of more of an expensive camp but the, the 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 upside to that was if you did you know your participation trophy at the end was uh, a free ticket to a game that upcoming season mm-hmm. so they give us a list of about 10 games to choose from we couldn't choose from all 41 and uh, I, I kind of wanted to, to pick the worst team to ensure a Pistons win. And uh, I picked uh, the Warriors. Uh, and that was Steph Curry's rookie year. Yeah. Uh, so I got to see Steph Curry play as a rookie in person. And that was so awesome. And, and you know, where I'm from, Marquette, you can't just go to a Pistons game very often. So that was, it was kind of more of a one-year uh, voyage, uh, once-a-year voyage to go to a Pistons game growing up as a kid. And uh, I picked the Warriors. And Rip was out 
I think he got injured the first game of the year, if I recall. This is 2009-2010 season, first mm -hmm. year with Ben Gordon and Charlie Villanueva. So Rip gets hurt game one against Memphis, which gives Ben Gordon more playing time, unfortunately. Um, and then Rip was <laughs> out for probably, I think, four or five games. And uh, no, I'm sorry, four or five weeks. So probably if you do the math, that's probably 15, 20 games. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, not having any high expectations, you know, my favorite players out. And then, uh, you know, you've been to a Pistons game before, how before they run out of the tunnel. Yeah, you've been a, before they go out of the tunnel, right, for the first time in warmups, they they show the, the team in the locker room, you know, just getting mm -hmm. pumped up, ready to head on the floor. And guess who I saw in full uniform? Richard Hamilton. He was back for the first time at the game that I was at against the Warriors. Oh, heck and yeah. he went on a show and he scored, I think, 25 plus that game, maybe even 30 plus to beat the Golden State Warriors, to beat rookie Steph Curry uh, first time in Detroit. And that was a memory I'll always remember. And just I can't believe I forgot this one, but the very next year I went to Pistons and Wizards and that was John Wall's rookie year. And um, they, it was a really close game, the whole game. That was Tracy McGrady's year for the Pistons. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a really close game at the end, and it was tied. And uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, uh, Blot? Who's, who's that? doesn't matter. Uh, Blot, I think, Andrew Blot. I don't know. On, on the Wizards, on the Wizards. Uh, he missed the game-winning shot, so the game went to overtime. And Rip scored 11 straight points in OT to win the game for the Pistons. 11 just, straight. He scored all the Pistons points. That's just stuff um, he did all the time. Like, that was the crazy thing. Yeah. Like, that was just – that's just what he did. And it was just nuts. Uh, so, it, from Saturday, I saw an amazing Richard Hamilton performance that I will never forget. And uh, I love Rip. He's my favorite Piston. Yeah, absolutely, man. I uh, He's a guy that I'm not sure if he's going to end up being a Hall of Famer. Um, right. uh, you know, I you know the, the odds of him becoming a Hall of Famer, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but listen, I, I will say this. Um, from especially in the in the 2000s um had one of the best um had had one of the best careers in my opinion among a lot of those guys uh on um on pro basketball reference um they have a statistic um titled uh hall of fame probability and unfortunately richard hamilton's hall of fame probability is 1.8% um, so they do not see a Hall of Fame career. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, he really only played, um, he really only played, you know, he played 14 seasons, um, but. Yeah, we forgot know, about his last year um, with the Chicago Bulls, yeah, with Derrick Rose's MVP year. Oh, mm -hmm. Yeah, last two years. Yeah, so he played with MVP Derrick Rose. He was kind of mm -hmm. the sixth man on that roster who made it to the Eastern Conference Finals uh, and lost to the Miami Heat, of course, who would go on to play the Dallas Mavericks and right. one of them and lose, but, but yeah, Rip was a big part of that uh, MVP year with, with the, the Bulls. Yeah. I, part of me wonders um, what if they won that 0405, um, that 0405 team um, won the championship, yeah. you know, whether that would have boosted his chances of being a hall of famer. You know, I ultimately uh, he is most definitely going to go down 
um, as as one of the all time great Pistons. I mean, up there with you know the greatest shooting guards with Joe Dumars, and you know just his legacy. Um, his legacy in Detroit is always is never going to be in question, right? But I think. And I was just gonna add that. Go ahead. No, finish. Finish. Yeah. No, but I I, I would just say. Um, he's a guy that throughout the league is, is well-respected. He's well-liked. Um, I don't think people, uh, I don't think he gets talked about enough nowadays. And I think he, uh, he was very influential on the game. I mean, Devin Booker said one of his favorite players growing up was Richard Hamilton. Um, you know, so, um, there's a lot of guys that are playing nowadays that are influenced by his game. So, uh, yeah, man, he, he might not have, he might not have been like the sexiest, offensive player um but he was one of the most effective especially at his height Absolutely. at his height especially at his height mm-hmm. yeah and, and the big thing i was going to say was uh in 2017 uh halftime of pistons and celtics i believe at, at the palace the, the palace's final year they decided to retire richard hamilton's number 32 so yeah. when you say that his legacy will forever uh, be uh, engraved in Pistons fans. That is 100% true because 100%. no Piston will ever wear the number 32 again in honor of Richard Hamilton. Do you think? Uh, do, do you think they should retire Rasheed Wallace's number? The fact that they have Vinnie Johnson and even like, I mean, I love Lambier, but even Lambier. Well, I mean, they, he won two champions. I mean, he was a, he was, he was, he was, you know, like listen, like he's just known yeah, to be a dirty player. He's an underrated good player. He's yeah, but I, I I see a lot of similarities with him and Sheed's game. But but that's kind of the uh, weird thing do, though. Who, which number do you retire? Do you retire thirty six? Because he won the championship in thirty. Thirty, yeah. You know what I mean? So I he guess, probably had the better career in thirty six. Yeah, but I mean. He might have had a better career, yeah, but he I don't brought know. the ring home. That, that's a decision for not us to make. Um, <laughs> <laughs> rightfully so. But, right, uh, but but if it was up to you, Troy, yes or no, does Rasheed Wallace get his number retired? Three, two, no. one. Okay, there it is. There it is. Yeah, I unfortunately, I agree. I, I wish... I wish he could have, you know, ultimately I, I wish Tayshawn could have too, but I mean, obviously you can't, you can only retire so many numbers. And, uh, you know, if there's three guys to get retired numbers from that team, it's Ben Wallace, it's Chauncey Billups, most certainly Richard Hamilton, 100%. Yeah, um, absolutely. And those three have all been retired in the past five years. So, yep. I think they got retired the same season, right? Or were they, or were they different? Uh, seasons? I, I know Ben and Chauncey were, were the same season. Yeah. Rip was the next. Okay, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, Troy, that was a great deep dive. I enjoyed that one. That was a good trip down memory lane. I just I I just I just watched that baseline game winner in Boston. I found that on YouTube while we were talking. Oh my gosh, dude. So good. So good. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna go and watch Richard Hamilton's fifty one point game at Madison Square Garden after this. That's a good call, man. That that's a good call. You, you should too. You should find it on YouTube. But with that, you should also look at From Half Court on YouTube because that is the wrap of this week's episode of From Half Court. If you liked it, be sure to give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a follow, leave us a good rating in all your podcast services of your liking. Uh, follow Troy on Twitter at TroySergi44 and you can follow me at Sean Half Court. But hey, 
Thank you so much for watching. We are a month away from the basketball season, so things are only going to get crazier. So be That's sure cool. to stick with us and listen because there's going to be a lot happening here in the in the coming weeks. I I I don't want to make any predictions, Troy, but something tells me in my gut that next week we're going to be talking about a big story on From Half Court. So I'm excited to see what that ends up being. I, I don't know what it is. I'm not saying, obviously I don't have any insider information. I'm just a kid who, I'm just a guy from Michigan. But listen, I, I for some, for whatever reason, I feel like something's going to happen. But hey, thank you so much for watching. And we'll catch you next time from Half Court.